see, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said, hey, honey, take a walk on the wild side. Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard. Along with me is Scott Reynolds. It is playoff time. The Bucks against the Washington football team on Saturday, 8.15 p.m. It is a primetime night game. We will be holding our collective breaths. But today on the show, Scott and I will be breaking down this matchup in depth, Scott. There is a lot to get to. We have an unbelievable a red hot offense against a defense that honestly has been really good all season in Washington's. And we have a Bucks defense kind of trying to find their way and get back to the dominant play they showed early in the season against the Washington offense that is struggling and may even have some quarterback questions. So this show, Scott, I know I say it every time we get on here, but this show, we're going to have to pack a lot in to get to all of this and to the fans questions today too. Yeah, and and I tell you, this is this is what you want, right? This is yeah. not just any Pewter Report podcast. This is the playoff preview podcast where John and I are going to give you a little sneak peek on who we think is going to win on Saturday night. And right. of course, we'll have more detailed analysis, and we'll have also the predictions from Mark and Matt and Taylor on Fridays. Pewter preview and predictions. So be sure to check that out. And I've got a new SRS Fab Five coming out on Friday as well. So the holidays are over and, uh, and we've got that. So uh, John, there was some big developments uh, today in our nation's capital. We'll get, get to that in a second, but uh, first we want everyone to know that uh, this podcast is energized by Celsius. Let's go. Celsius. This is Celsius heat. You got the you got orange. The heat. I've got the heat. It's in. Is that the jackfruit? This is the jackfruit. Exactly. <sighs> what do you think? Now, it, well, here's the thing. Um, I haven't had it yet. I'm going to have okay. it tomorrow. This is my first time having the jackfruit. And this is a carbonated beverage. This is performance energy. This is a little bit bigger can than the other energies. And the thing about this is with the jackfruit, and the reason why they call it Celsius heat is because when when you power through a workout, you're going to taste that exotic flavor of the jackfruit. Yeah. And its ingredients uh, are their key vitamins, 2,000 milligrams of, of L-citrulline and 300 milligrams of caffeine. So you're going to get a nice little boost to your workout there. This is a performance energy drink that's designed to increase the thermogenesis and give you a boost of energy. So it actually raises your body temperature a little bit to help you burn calories and ultimately burn fat. So uh, you're going to be hearing a lot more about this. Uh, they've got uh, a bunch of, of new flavors for the Celsius heat. Right now comes an Inferno Punch orange sickle, which I want to try. Wow. Uh, cherry lime, strawberry dragon fruit, and blueberry pomegranate. Those are the two new flavors. So you'll be hearing more about that. Just in case you didn't know, Celsius powers uh, active lives with uh, with essential energy, and uh, and I didn't have one today. I needed one on on Monday, and I didn't have it, but I had one yesterday, and uh, uh, did a lot of work on the Fab Five today, so I was already energized. But I'm going to have this guy tomorrow when I go for my workout. So if yep. you want to know where to get the Celsius heat or the regular Celsius drinks, it's real simple. Go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, find a convenience store, grocery store, nutrition store near you, or you can click on those wonderful Celsius banner ads on pewterreport.com. They're going to take you to Amazon where you can buy them in bulk. If you're not sure which flavor uh, you want, uh, you get the variety pack, and it's got a whole bunch of assortment of flavors there. You can find out which ones you like and don't like, and then order them in bulk on Amazon and save a bunch of money. So, uh, John, let's get to the big news today in our nation's capital, Taylor Heineke was taking Crazy. first team reps, right? Yep. 27 uh, years old. He started one game in his career. He's thrown 77 career passes. He might be starting for Washington. And that's interesting development because we've heard Bruce Arians talk about how Washington is, is not a 7-9 to nine football team. He says they're 4-1. I believe they're actually 5-1 with Alex Smith as the starter. But a, a totally different team. 
right? Yeah. It's a totally different offense when you've got a, a veteran hand at the wheel in Alex Smith as opposed to Heineke, who is in his fourth season out of, out of Old Dominion and played in just one game this year. That was a 20 to 13 loss at Carolina. They fell behind, I believe, 20 to nothing against the Panthers and wasn't enough to, to lead them to a comeback, but he did throw a touchdown in the game. Right. Kind of a smaller, more mobile guy. And really right now, when you look at, at Alex Smith, and we'll get to the injury report in just a second. Um, you know, he's got that calf injury, John. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, is I think that calf tightened up a little bit in that night game on Sunday night. This is a game that's going to be played in in Washington, in Maryland. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's going to be cold. Yeah. And you have to wonder if Alex Smith, maybe he starts the game, but they want to get Heineke ready because if that calf tightens up in the cold again, they might have to make a quarterback switch. Right. I mean, this is... What's so fascinating about this game, Scott, is you have this unbelievable – I mean, the Bucks' offense is as hot as any offense in the league right now. And the Washington defense has been unbelievable. And I watched tape of them today, and I have a lot to talk about them, man. I, and I am so impressed with the way they play. I think it is going to be a huge, huge challenge for the for the Tampa Bay offense. Yeah. But on the other side of the ball, man, I'm not even – like the Bucks' defense is not you know the league's best, which early in the season they look like they were. They're not the league's worst for sure. You know, they're a, a solid, capable unit. They've had some really rough games. They've been – they've had some really rough periods of games too. They have, you know, full four quarters. They, you know, they haven't really – they've avoided total letdowns mostly mm-hmm. for the most part over four full quarters. But this matchup, Scott, <laughs> when Washington has the ball – I am not sure what to say. I mean, there couldn't be more of a difference between yeah. their offense and their defense right now. Their offense just has no bite. They have talent, but yeah. like you said, Gibson's playing hurt. McLaurin's playing hurt. Smith is playing hurt. The offensive line has kind of honestly played above their level most of the season when everyone was healthy and they were getting the ball out quick. But honestly, they haven't run the ball consistently well. They don't create splash plays in the passing game like at all. Not only do they do they not create them, they also don't even attempt them for the most yeah. part. Um, so it is, it is a really simple offense. They don't, they, they pride themselves kind of on not beating themselves e- even against Philadelphia. You know, they were kind of beating themselves a little bit. And so it is tricky. Uh, it is tricky to see how Washington, you know, Tampa Bay would have to literally give them the ideal game plan. I think yeah. for Washington to be able to execute. And that is no pass rush, soft coverage, and not being able to contain the pocket, especially if Heineke's in there. To me, that's how Tampa Bay loses the game. Yeah, I, I agree. And we, we teased the injury report. Let's get to that now. we got a question from Jimmy Morrow. I noticed JPP on the injury list two days in a row did not participate. Is he hurt or are they just resting him, Scott? Well, uh, both. That's every week. <laughs> yeah, Pierre Paul is a warrior. He has been banged up uh, with that knee for most of the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that, that at this stage of the game, um, this is a veteran. This is a guy who's just turned 32 years old. You know, he he knows what he's doing. He can watch and get the mental reps from the sidelines. <clears throat> you you need him at at as close to 100 percent as possible on Saturday night. And especially with this being a short week, I think it's wise to rest JPP. I'd be a little concerned if he's not out there tomorrow, John, and Thursday's practice. Um, but at the same time, even if he didn't practice at all this week, I would not be surprised if JPP, right. much like Mike Evans, wants to get on the field, but technically today he did not participate. The Bucks did get some good news, and, and I think it's it's important too with JPP, and I've been on his case a little bit to note that he does have that knee injury, mm-hmm. but really since since the Vikings game when he had uh, that sack, fumble, fumble recovery at the end of the game, he's not really been the same guy. Went to Atlanta, didn't even make, make it on the stat sheet, and I believe has five tackles between the last two games wins at Detroit and then at home against the Falcons. But the Buccaneers did receive some better news today. Carlton Davis was limited. He didn't participate in Tuesday's walkthrough, but on Wednesday was at practice and participated. LaShawn McCoy, who was not injury related, was back at full practice today. He was out on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Ronald Jones listed as a finger and a quad injury, but he's been full participation these last two days. And, and then in terms of, of the, uh, the big story, right, is Mike Evans. He did not participate today. That's not a surprise given that he had that hyperextended knee injury. Right. The other guy that didn't participate was, was Jeremiah Ledbetter with the, the calf injury. The Washington football team, Jonathan Allen was a full participant after missing Tuesday's walkthrough. Uh, Thomas Davis Sr., the old linebacker from Carolina, he's now with, with uh, Ron Rivera once again, did not participate 
these last two days with the knee injury. Kendall Fuller, the cornerback, was limited today. Uh, he's a new addition to the injury report in Washington. Antonio Gibson, after missing the walkthrough on Tuesday, was limited today with a toe injury. That's interesting to note. Terry McLaurin, their other big uh, weapon on, on offense, the wide receiver, didn't participate with an ankle injury on Tuesday, was limited today. The other three injuries, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, the linebacker, ankle injury limited. Brandon Sheriff, the guard, shoulder injury limited. And Alex Smith, the calf injury was limited today. But again, if you're just joining us, Taylor Heineke took the first team reps at quarterback today, John. And, and, uh, and it's interesting to note that we heard Ron Rivera say that they might use two quarterbacks yeah. in this yeah. game. Right. And and I think, you know, what's funny is it's funny to hear people lately. They're talking about Alex Smith and they're like, well, Alex Smith's not mobile. Alex Smith's always been mobile, but he's he's not now in his current state, you know, after the leg injury uh, and then the big comeback and then you know, the calf injury now that he's that he's working through. Yeah, his mobility's really been pretty limited, but over the course of his career, he's probably been, you know, it's probably been one of his bigger assets. And so that's where Taylor Heineke comes in, you know, three carries, 22 yards last time he was on the field. Um, but he played really well, honestly. I mean, he came in against Carolina and almost gave them a spark, really, um, threw a touchdown. He was a little more willing to throw the ball down the field, too. I mean, in, in all the snaps that he's taken, almost 300 snaps, uh, Alex Smith has only thrown 24 deep balls. You know, 24 times has he thrown 20-plus yards in the air. And so he's not been throwing down the field very often at all. Well, Heineke came in for like, what, I don't know, two two quarters, I think it was something like that, three three quarters, I don't remember. And he threw five of those deep balls. And so he yeah. was – he kind of was uh, was almost matching Smith there, as uh, you know, or higher rate anyway than Smith with what he was trying to put the ball down the field, and he only hit one of those, and it was for a touchdown. But um, so I, you know, it's hard to know totally what to expect because he's played so little. Like I said, seventy-seven career mm-hmm. passes. Um, he is a guy who who will run the ball a good bit, and he will try to scramble. Um, you know, but again, like this, you know, we're talking about these guys, we're breaking them down, but in the reality, like Scott, like Taylor Heineke's 27 years old and he started yeah. one time in the NFL and he threw three picks and he lost the game and they scored 10 points. Like, yeah. I, I don't care. Like you, you got to stop the guy. Like, I don't care what he looked like against Carolina in the second half when they hadn't prepped for him, like whatever. Like, I mean, you, you got to totally shut him down. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about 17 points. I'm not talking about 19 points, whatever it was to the bears. And it, yeah. like, He's this has starter. to be like a lions type game, right. For the, exactly. for the box defense. I mean, I know McLaurin's a good player, and I, but he's definitely not been himself either recently. And yeah. Washington hasn't run the ball very well. Um, it's honestly like there's just no excuse for this defense. I, I think that Tampa Bay's offense that we'll talk about in a second, I think yeah. they are going to have periods of time in this game where they struggle basically sure. because everybody who's played Washington has yeah. not, not consistently moved the ball them, this them continuing to score 40 points per game yeah. like they've done the last two games. Right. So Jimmy Mora asked this question, John. Uh, is, is the Washington defense, are they better than than the Rams defense? Well, what's, what's really funny, yeah, what's really funny about this is they're actually fairly, they're they're probably the most similar unit to what to the Rams. I know that's going to scare fans a lot probably, but they're probably the most similar unit to the Rams. I, I asked uh, our boy PFF Moo, I was like, what are the main coverages for Washington? Without me wanting to go through and chart all their games this week, right. you know, can you just tell me what the main coverages are for Washington? And they're primarily cover three, cover four type of team. So they are trying to stop the long ball. That's kind of their whole, and they'll rotate yeah. between those two. They don't rotate safeties a ton pro right. snap. That is kind of the distinction. You know, the Rams did that a lot more. I think that plays into Tahizo 813's comments. And then a question we have here. Buck's been using a lot more quick screens to AB and Godwin. I expect to see that more often. Stairway to Evans says, do you think the Bucks have been using wide receiver screens with AB to counter blitzes? And I think the answer to that is yes. Mm-hmm. I think they they have put some design plays right. in there to quickly get the ball out of out of Brady's hands and to stymie any pass rush attempts. So I expect to see a good deal of that for two reasons. Number one, it doesn't give Chase Young, Montez Sweat, or Tim Sell or anybody in the Redskins front the time to get to Brady. Number two, it's working right. I mean, mm-hmm. right. we've seen Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller on occasion really you know get some serious yardage out of that. And I think that that, that it's, it's a great play to use on first down. When you're typically going against more off coverage, right, where teams might be expecting a little bit more of of a possible run, especially with Tampa Bay um, being so predictable for much of the season running on first down, to come out and do that. We saw that at the stadium, John. Antonio Brown gets five or six yards on first down. All of a sudden, second and four, second and five, completely manageable down in distance that you can pick up on second down and avoid third downs like Bruce Arians talked about. If you struggle in third downs, avoid them. Do something on first and down. Right. To not put 
up in position to be in third in third and long or third and short situations. Right. No, I think it's a great point, Scott. I mean, one of the things that you saw, I, the game I went back and watched was Seattle. I wanted to watch a recent game against an offense that was more explosive. You know, Carolina may have told me something. Philadelphia wasn't going to tell me anything early about Washington and how they defend, totally different team and scheme. And so I was trying to find something, okay, where are there some similarities? And so I went back to watch the Seattle game. Seattle scored 20 points. They won, I think it was 20 to 15, if I remember correctly. And, man, it was just a chore. Moving the ball for Seattle was really hard. I mean, they they got in position off some Washington penalties and off some Russell Wilson scrambles. Um, and that was it. I mean, they could not hit plays down the field. Uh, Washington plays a lot of too high. Uh, even, you know, I, I see these percentages as cover three. Uh, what he, what, what uh, PFF Moo, our, our boy Timo Riske, sent me, um, you know, he said, you know, 34% of the time they're in cover three. About 22% of the time they're in quarters, and about 21% of the time they're in cover one. So they do play man. You know, it is they do play man, and you can see cover two on tape two. They will mix it up for sure. Like I said, don't rotate the safeties a lot, but if for the Bucks, absolutely. When you're when they're in that off coverage, I mean, I definitely think you know throw the ball out there. You've got the screen game. That was really what Seattle tried to do. Honestly, they got some quick hitting stuff going. And one thing Seattle, after their first two drives, really weren't very successful. They started going play action, play action, play action. And that can work too. So it has to be a play action heavy game and it has to be getting the ball out quick, right? Frustrate the defensive line. The other thing, Scott, you can run the ball in Washington. Uh, they are yeah. good up front. They're great up front, but they don't. Matt Ioannidis is their best run stuffer and he's out. Mm -hmm. uh, he's injured. He's been injured this season. And so that is kind of the you can run the ball, but it's again, it's about it doesn't matter. You can, but you have to get into the predict more predictable situation or more unpredictable situations to get them out of looks that will cause them to shut down the run. But once you can do that, if you can keep them off balance a little bit, you can have success running the football at some point in this game against Washington. Right. They do. They are a little bit smaller on the defensive line uh, up front uh, in, uh, in in the inside, especially. So it can be a game where the Bucks are successful doing that stuff, I think. Mm -hmm. But again, it is going to be a patient game plan. Washington yeah. is tied with the Rams. We saw the question about the Rams. Tied with the Rams this year in the least amount of 20-plus yard pass plays given up this season. They just don't let you throw the ball down the field very well. Whenever Seattle yeah. tried to do it, guys were just plastered by Washington. Yeah. And you know what, too? The thing, the thing about um, I, the Washington football team is, yes, they've got the number two ranked pass defense. And part of that is because they take away those deep balls. And it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see. And I think having a quarterback like Tom Brady who's patient, and we've seen the evolution of Byron Leftwich to calling shorter passes rather than the typical BA, you know, five-step five drop, you know, heave it downfield yeah. uh, at the vertical routes. Um, I, I, I think that – Washington has not seen a passing attack like Tampa Bay this year. If you look, I mean, they played the, the Eagles twice, right? Mm -hmm. They've had problems this year at the quarterback position in terms of passing the ball, whether it's Carson Wentz or, or Jalen Hurts. Uh, Dallas, right? They, they played Dallas twice, and I believe by that point in time, Dak Prescott was out. So you're, you're right. playing Andy Dalton and some backups there. They played the Ravens earlier this year. Um, they like to run the ball rather than throw it. And, yeah. Lamar Jackson might throw for three touchdowns in a game, but he might only throw for 150 yards because they're a ground-oriented team. Uh, mm -hmm. They played Arizona earlier this season. Uh, Cleveland will sling the ball around the yard for sure. The Rams can throw the ball and 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 do. Um, at the same yeah. time, a lot, of, a lot of their passing game is really short rhythmic stuff. The, they've also played the Giants. We've seen Daniel Jones really struggle as a passer. They played Detroit. They played Cincinnati. And in that game, we saw Joe Burrow get hurt. Uh, you know, they played a run-oriented team in San Francisco. They played Seattle. Uh, they really have – they played the, the Panthers a couple of weeks ago. They mm -hmm. have not placed, uh, played a team that will just light you up for 350 yeah. yards like Tom Brady's Buccaneers will. That's why I wanted to watch the Seattle game because Seattle was really the only – especially the recent games. You know, early in the season, they were giving up 30 points again, you know, really – or yeah. like to, you know to, to the Rams, to the Washington, to Cleveland, like all those games were thirty plus points. Then they started figuring it out a little bit before midseason and started totally turning things around. They gave up thirty to Detroit, but again, that you're right. Up until that Seattle game, they really hadn't played like the Steelers, San Francisco. Those teams aren't putting the ball down, you know, or they're playing you know the Bengals. Those are all right. teams that are at the bottom of the league in explosive pass plays this season. Like they just haven't happened. Philadelphia, same thing. Carolina's done it some, but you know lately they've really struggled. So. 
wasn't a good but so Seattle is like man I know they haven't played their best football late in the season but they'll put the ball down the field they they are they're a vertical passing attack in a lot of ways they they hunt the big play they've created yeah. a lot of them this season so that's why I wanted to watch that game and I <laughs> came away thinking man it's tough like they play a lot of two eye they keep everything in front of them um, but they rally to the football I mean these guys are not sit back on your heels and wait for you if you catch it you on a screen you know, we're going to sit back on our heels and wait for you to run to us. No, they are come up, hit. They play with a ton of confidence, Scott. Yeah. And I tell you what, Chase Young plays every snap like an undrafted free agent. I mean, he plays like he's trying to earn a spot on the roster. Probably yeah. was some of the best effort I've seen from a player in the NFL this year watching tape. I mean, he just – he's incredible. He gets out on screens. He gets way out on, on, on outside zone runs. And, he you know, he turn, he's dancing with the blocker. I mean, he doesn't stay blocked. Uh, he's incredible. He's going to be, I mean, top five defensive player in the league, I think. And he's already on his way there. So he makes some great plays. And honestly, Sweat does too. Those guys get their hands up. They tip yeah. balls a ton. And one of those could change a game. And so those are things you all have to be aware of if you're an offense. But you are right. They have not played a team, an offense, since like week six or seven that was playing their best football when they played Washington, it just hasn't, you know, you talk about Pittsburgh and Seattle, both being good teams this mm -hmm. season, obviously, but both of those offenses had been sputtering before they played Washington. And so it right. is different. And you could say it the same about Tampa. They haven't played, you know, Atlanta's defense was playing better, but Tampa Bay has not played their best offensive game against the best defenses. They played the Rams yeah. and, and the saints specifically. And so, they have something to prove as well in this game. I think both sides do. You know, we're going to find out a lot about how for real. We know both groups are good. There's no yeah. question or denying that. You can look at the Bucks' offense. You can look at Washington's defense. Every single category that matters in the league, they're ranked high in. Right. The question is how good are both of them? Are they good enough to overcome the greatness of the other one? That's the real question. Well, and I think, too, as, as Gene Leon, 16K, asks, how many points will likely be needed for the win, 20 to, to 25-plus? You know, the, when I was looking at Washington, right, because uh, this this is a this is a points driven uh, league that we're in, yeah. and, um, uh, and and I mean that. Whereas, like the buckball back in the day, where defense and running game, you know, that they would win championships. The league has just evolved so much; it's a passing game, and obviously, Jason Light knew that. That's why when you look at some of his best draft picks, they've been wide receivers, right? Starting with Mike Evans, first uh, his first pick uh, ever in 2014, Chris Godwin. Yeah. Scotty Miller, uh, you know, uh, recently Justin Watson, Tyler Johnson. You know, he's really stockpiled this team with with the with the the weapons needed in the passing game, and that's why I believe that if Tampa Bay can get off to an early lead and really get Washington out of their game, which is to try to be balanced and try to use those those running backs. McKissick and, and Gibson out of the backfield catching the ball. And I think without Devin White, with Kevin Minter starting, John, they're going to have to play more zone coverage. I know fans don't want to hear that, uh, but I think you're going to see more soft zone coverage just because uh, what, what we saw last week with that huge run by Brian Hill, Sean Murphy bunting, they were man coverage on that play. And he turned and ran, and all of a sudden Hill broke containment. And before Sean Murphy bunting knew it, the play was coming right at him. So that was basically just a, a designed decoy. That receiver took Murphy Bunting down the field. And so to, to defend against the flat, whether it's McKissick or Gibson catching the ball, they're going to have to play, I think, some, some, some cover two, some cover three zone, and, sure. and, and, and watch that short game because Alex Smith is a guy that likes to get the ball out of his hands quickly. He's not mobile. He, he took a gruesome hit. He doesn't want to get hit any, any more than Tom Brady does. So I think you're going to see a similar type of attack from Washington that the Rams use with Jared Goff. Uh, really quick rhythmic stuff to try to get uh, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul flustered and not able to reach the passer. Yeah, and that's normal for Washington too. You know, they're they're 27th in play action rate, which is good for the Bucks defense. You know, they don't yeah. – don't really use it very often. Uh, their eighth fastest time to throw, in other words, so they're getting the ball and they're getting it out of there. You know, they're faster. Everybody raves about Tom Brady's release and all this, you know, and, and how fast he is to throw. Well, Washington throws it faster than Brady does. And so, you know, they get it out there still somehow, Scott. I don't really know how this is possible. But despite having the eighth fastest time to throw in the NFL this season, they have the second highest sack percentage on dropbacks this season, Washington, <laughs> no matter who's a quarterback. So they are allowing – 
sacks at a crazy yeah. rate, <laughs> but even yeah. though they throw the ball very quickly. And I don't think it's all the offensive line for sure. They're tied for the second most sacks surrendered this season yeah. as a team. And Alex Smith has surrendered more than his fair share. Dwayne Haskins right. got sacked a bunch. Kyle Allen got yeah. sacked a bunch. Really doesn't matter who's in there. Um, so there are some protection issues for sure. I think a lot of it's on the quarterbacks not setting the protection well. I agree. And, and for Alex Smith, it hasn't. It's been escapability, Scott. He, yeah. he doesn't move like he the doesn't Alex move. Smith we're, we're we're used to seeing when he was in his prime. Stairway to Evans asks, why in the world did the Bucks sign Deion Buchanan? Dude couldn't make the team last year. Why bring him back now? Uh, well, I think the reason why is, is because if something were to happen in practice this week or even on game day, if Kevin Minter wakes up and all of a sudden he's not feeling well or something, they got to have somebody with experience. And Buchanan yeah. knows this system dating back to his days in, in Arizona and then obviously had the training camp. Uh, and part of the season with the Bucks. Then he went on to the Giants, where he was familiar with this with the scheme there. Um, so I, I, I think that this is just kind of a safety move, safety precautionary type of move for the Buccaneers, uh, not to get caught with their pants down if something were to happen to Levante David or or Kevin Mentor or even some of the backups, right? Like like Jack mm-hmm. City. Uh, so this is just a, it's a practice squad signing. And we'll see. He can also play special teams. Who's got some familiarity with with Bruce Arians? Uh, Might have had something to do with uh, Chappelle Russell playing one playing one snap in coverage and giving, giving up, up a touchdown. touchdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might have had something <laughs> to do with it. So. It could have been that too, but no. I mean, it's a good question. Deion Buchanan has not been very good for yeah. every year of his career, except for like one, I think. Um, but he does know the system well, and he you know try hard guy, and so you know you know again it's. At this point in the season, it's really about like security blankets. If if I had to bet, John, I would bet that he probably doesn't play on Sunday. This is just a practice squad move. So, yeah, uh, if if I had to bet, that's what I would would say. Right. You know where if if I was going to bet, you know where that would be, John. You you'd probably make that bet over at my bookie. Would be my guess. Exactly where I'd make that bet, John. I'd make it at my bookie. And with that in mind, say hello to January 2021 from an expanded NFL playoffs with three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday. Love it. This is, this is awesome for a wild card weekend, right? I mean, I love that yeah. the league has expanded the playoffs to get you three games on each day. Then you throw in the BCS National Championship game around the corner. The return of the NBA and the NHL is right around the corner, and it's truly a great month to be a sports fan here in January. I tell people all the time, head over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports that you love to watch, and that's where you want to place your bets. I don't use my bookie because some corporate overlord told me to. I use them because, well, that's where I like to bet, and they're the best. I've been betting with my bookie for three years now, and I'm glad that they ended up advertising with PeterReport.com on our Peter Report podcast because probably wouldn't have known about them otherwise, but I have a lot of fun doing it. Happened to win big on the Bucks last week, John, so uh, I haven't placed my bets for this week yet. Haven't seen the spreads. Uh, yet I usually do some investigating around midweek, but I'm definitely going to head over to my bookie. And here's the thing. If you do too, if you go to mybookie.ag, they're going to hook you up with a 50% deposit bonus up to a thousand bucks. So when you sign up, you're going to keep the good times rolling. They've got free giveaways. They've got free bets. They've got huge contests all year long. So bet on my bookie all the way through the spring. Cause there, you got spring, uh, college basketball. You're going to have Major League Baseball coming. Um, a lot of sports happening right now. It's simple. Sign up at mybookie.ag, use the promo code pewter, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Head over to mybookie today. Start your 2020 year off right this year. Bet with the best. Bet with mybookie. Use promo code pewter to get in on that half deposit match. Yep. Sounds like a great deal and a good chance to win yourself some cheese. Good question from Haas Y Juke, John, Scott. So if you guys had to design the defensive game plan for this game, what would it look like? I am fine with, I don't think zone coverage is like bad in this game, but you just need to be aware of what's happening. One of the problems is you have to be able to play zone and man in the NFL today. Like you're not just going to play one or the other. So I'm I'm not even overly critical of Todd Bowles for that. There are certain times situationally, and there yeah. are the fact that he's relied on it too much, and he needs to be put in these corners and press more press man situations. I think those are problems. But I'm never suggesting like don't play zone at all. Like you need to be able to play both. But my biggest thing is why are we still having these corners bail out so much in their pedal? You know they're playing ten yards yeah. off as it is. 
play flat-footed and drive yeah. on anything downhill, you know, and, and right. Carlton does that a little bit, but that is not – Sean Murphy bunting is getting out of there so fast every single week, and it's something that has to be coached up with him. Again, there's so many technical things with him, and give him credit, he said it himself after the game on Sunday, but th- that has to be better with him, I think. You know, Jamel Dean, it, you know, it was a little bit of the opposite issue, and he was mm-hmm. sitting on things, looking in the backfield a little bit too much, and and – so he need to get out of there a little bit quicker, but yeah, with the other with the other guys, it's definitely been even Davis at times. You know, in Whitehead when he's playing in the slot too, you do not give ground to these guys. You know, make them beat you with a double move over the top or something like that. Make Washington make that type of a play. Drive downhill. That's how Washington's guys play. If you watch yeah. them, they might play eight yards off, but they're closing in a hurry. I mean, they are not giving right. ground and then reacting to what's happening in front of them. So right. it, it's more about technique than it is about scheme. I think schematically you can do a lot of different things to stop Washington's offense. And I think blitzing is something that you should do, especially if you're not getting pressure with four. Like, you know what, John, I would blitz blitz right off the bat. I I would like first series. I'd come right at Alex Smith, set the tone, put them on their heels, make them think right off the bat rather than, you know, not try to give up the big play, play the soft zone. Uh, I'm all for playing zone, but I agree with you, John, you you want the corners up, um, getting their hands on McLaurin, and, and the, the, the other receivers, they're both names, uh, Sims, uh, even the big tight end, Logan Thomas. Uh, and, and I would bring some pressure. I would get him right at Alex Smith's face quickly, try to hurry him, try to harass him, set the right. tone, and, um, and and not wait to make those adjustments. Uh, because I'll tell you what, I don't think the, the Washington football team's game plan, John, is to, is to hit a big play. I don't think that they're kind of a patient offense. We've talked about that. They don't right. take many deep shots. So I don't think it's going to be like Kansas City where all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes is going to come out bombs away. And and I don't think McLaurin's going to have 200 yards in the first quarter like Terry Kill did. So I, I think that with Carlton Davis playing, like we believe he will, Jamel Dean on the other side, um, I, I'm all for being more aggressive with uh, with with some, some press action at the line of scrimmage, but definitely bring the linebackers. Because you know what? Kevin Minter – is a damn good blitzer, and he's much better yeah. uh, going forward than he is in reverse, just like his LSU uh, counterpart, uh, Devin White. Mm-hmm. And I think Levante David, get him involved in some blitzing as well. Uh, blitz the nickel. If you want to put Sean Murphy bunting in the game, uh, roll the safety down over the slot and blitz him. Uh, I, yeah. I th- I'd like to see a myriad of blitzes from Bowles. I don't think he's going to do it, but I, I'd like to see that because I think that could rattle Washington's offense early. I want to see him use my defensive package, to be honest, Scott. Just yeah. plug in Kevin Minter where Devin White was going to go. Yeah. And that article's up on PeterReport.com. You can check that out, too. But, yeah, plug in Kevin Minter there. Play him on the line a little bit. Move him around. Um, you know, and I think play Jordan Whitehead at the second level. Uh, play Jordan Whitehead in space. You know, again, this is a run and chase and rally to the football and finish. Jordan Whitehead is great at recognizing concepts in front of him, attacking downhill, taking good angles, finishing as a tackler in open field. That's where his strengths are. He's not – very good in deep coverage. So put yep. Mike Edwards and, and Antoine Winfield back there, uh, especially on, you know, second, third and long. You know, if you're st- shutting down the run on first down or if you're up in the game and you're forcing Washington out of their comfort zone, you know, continue to take away the outlets and continue to take away the the chunk gains that they can get by by putting the ball down underneath. And so that's, that's how they've lived, man. Washington has lived with those short passes. Yep. Get the ball out, get into second and manageable, get into third and manageable, and get, get to 20 points. You know, they average, what, 20 – 20.9 points per game, 25th in the NFL in points per game, and they made the playoffs. You know what, John? This is a, a Washington team that has scored over 30 points just one time this yeah. year. Right. One. And that, just, was on, that was on Thanksgiving, right. and they had a, a pick six from Montez Sweat in that game. So it was really the defense helping uh, get them over the 40-point threshold. But you look at Tampa Bay and, and their offense, and you know they, they've, they've had four games – over 40 points, including the last two. So this is a real dynamic offense that the Bucks have. And, and again, I don't think that Washington has seen an offense like this. If uh, It's going to come down to, to two things offensively for the Buccaneers. And part of me wants to say the running game, but it's really more the offensive line play. If the offensive line can, can just, I'm not even saying dominate, but if they can just hold their ground, if they can almost stalemate that Washington defensive front um, and – and win some and lose some, but but not have it be one one sided, where Washington can because uh, they get some good active defensive tackles. You talked about Jonathan Allen mm-hmm. on Monday, John. Uh, Tim Settle has got five sacks. He's kind of their situational uh, nickel rusher. Yep. Um, 
So they've got some guys, not just Sweat and, and Young on the outside, but the defensive tackles. I'd like to see Marpet, Kappa, Jensen hold their own in, in the interior. And, um, and I think if they do that and Tampa Bay's uh, receivers can do some damage, whether it's going downfield or in the short game to move the chains, I, I like Tampa Bay's chances putting up, I mean, 40 points in, in uh, four games this year. And then looking at the schedule, they've gone over the 30 point threshold. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times, half of mm-hmm. their games, the bucks have scored 30 points or more. And of course that's why they average 30.8 points per game. And since the right. bye week again, They've they've averaged thirty seven points per game. So uh, I I think Byron Leftwich has really done a good job over these last couple of, of weeks coming off the bye to really incorporate some different things and not make the Bucks so predictable in offense. John, I think that has led to this explosion of points. Not just the fact they're playing some some chump you know defenses, but yeah. um, but I I just think that they've figured out how to get the best of both worlds, get some big plays downfield but also take advantage of some underneath stuff to keep the chains moving and keep the possession going. So you don't have to right. Yeah. It's actually crazy how well Washington has played against passing attacks this season. But at the same time, recognizing that I believe you're fully right, that a passing attack like Tampa Bay's has not really come, come into contact with this defense. Well, like I said, Seattle's was the closest and they did a great job in that game. I do think that Washington's defense is no joke. I think it's one of the best in the league. I yep. don't think that people are over-exaggerating on that at all. Just some statistics for you, Scott. Opposing uh, – they're first in, in passing yards per game against this season. Yep. Uh, they're opposing completion percentage this season. They're third best in the league, so they are limiting completion percentage significantly. So a lot of incomplete passes this season. In Bruce Aaron's offense, that can get to be an issue sometimes if they're trying so many high-degree difficulty throws. That's where Washington's had success at getting incompletions, putting you in right. second second and long if you're throwing on first down, for example. Opposing yards per attempt. So, again, even if you're completing them, you're not getting much out of it uh, when you're throwing against them. I already said 20-plus yard pass plays. Opposing yards per attempt, they're they're second best in the league. Mm -hmm. Uh, Opposing 20-plus yard pass plays, they're tied for first best in the league. Opposing touchdown passes this season, I think just 21 or something like that, tied Mm -hmm. for second best in the NFL. Um, Yak allowed, you know, so, again, second best in the league in Yak allowed. They have not allowed many yards for the catch. That's something – Tampa Bay's kind of gotten going uh, more recently. Um, so they, across the board, they've been terrific against the pass this season. Yeah, speaking of pass defense, Gene Leon 16K asks, assuming Mike Evans plays at 80%, and we don't know that he's at 80%, and we don't know that he's going to play yet, but but like, let's assume that he does play for the sake of the question here. Who is the Bucks' most important receiver given the Washington football team's defense and scheme? Godwin for sure. If it's, if it's not Evans, who who is who's the guy? Godwin, absolutely. I mean, Chris Godwin, because this is a team that you have to find the voids in their linebackers. They're going to play a ton of zone. They're going to keep things in front of them. You have to find the space. You have to make the tough catches. Tom Brady's making the window throws right now. He's not hesitating in the window throws for a month. He hasn't hesitated on any window throws. He's he's putting yeah. the ball between the linebackers. He's playing fearless football. Um, you know, you could argue he had at points all season, but right now it's full confidence, full throttle. So. Right. Those are the throws you have to make. When when the Seattle had success with the ball, it was Russell Wilson just gunned down, just gunning it into a tight window, and guy making a combat catch. That's Chris Godwin all day. He's got to be the guy in this offense. He's got to be a ton of catches. He's got to consistently get open. Again, Washington on the outside, two good corners. Kendall Fuller, Ronald Darby, they've played really well, especially in this scheme. Uh, they've played really well this season. Kendall Fuller is is a, is a baller. I mean, and Cameron Curl, the one of their safeties, is a rookie. Um, has played outstanding football as well. Yeah, three interceptions, and I think they've come in the last three weeks, something like that. Yeah, um, so he's he is a hot player for them, right? And so they have the ability to match up and be unique with what they present to you. But the the, the key is inside. They have, do not right. have the same type of defenders inside that they have on the outside. So they'll take away the vertical stuff. Uh, yeah. They'll take away all the stuff down the sideline for the most part. So you know, important to have guys like Evans. He makes one or two plays. You know, I think you know that can be great for them. He runs a corner off. Yeah, hit some curls and comeback stuff like that. But Chris Godwin slants sitting down in the middle, working those middle hook defenders. I think he's got to have a big day. And really, they've used more of those horizontal passing concepts, Scott. And so, you know, AB's playing inside. And so he's going to have opportunities too. You know, he's done that kind of stuff in Pittsburgh. He can be a possession guy or a big play guy or a yak guy. That's the thing about AB that makes him so. John, we're talking about this Washington defense, but we really haven't talked about the Bucks' running game going against that 
that defense. How do you see that playing out? Gilco19 says counter the Bucks or counter the pass rush with the good run game. I think Rojo eats on Saturday. What say you? Yeah, that's interesting because I think it was Hosswide Duke or somebody mentioned it in the comments a little bit ago. But they said, you know, even when you even though Washington has been kind of league average against the run and you know, you've had some opportunities to run it against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think teams really have passed it against them more because they've been in close game. Washington's in a close game almost every week. Yeah. And so, I, you know, even though that's true, you still have a negative EPA, negative expected points added when you run the ball against Washington. So, again, it, it speaks to more like how it's so difficult to, like, run the ball at a level yeah. needed to actually, like, add value to your team. Uh, so that's why you can't get preoccupied with it. This has to be pass first oriented team. That's who they are. That's their identity. Don't get away from your identity. Don't care who the opponent is, but it doesn't, again, like when you're in those second and third manageables and you're running the football in those situations and you have to run it some on first and 10. So you run it some on first and 10, you know, when you're in those situations, you have to maximize them. And that's what Bruce Arians has talked about all season or his press. It's not about how many times you run the ball. It's about right. making the most out of the times that you do. That's where the Bucs need to be successful. That's where they were great the last two weeks. They've been a pass-first team, really, the last three weeks. They've been a pass-first right. team. But when they needed to run the football and they got in situations to run the football, part yeah. of it was because they were in unpredictable down and distances. But they've run it pretty well, Scott, for a couple of weeks now. And having Rojo back made a big difference sure. the other week. And, John, you know what third and two is? It's a rundown in the NFL. That's right. <laughs> Not enough teams right. do it. They go empty and they want to pass. But it's a rundown, especially if you get to fourth and one because you had a quarterback who can quarterback sneak it just like Tom Brady can. But, you know, you mentioned the running game. Rojo actually upped his average to 5.1 yards per carry. He's, you know, hit 978, about 22 yards shy of 1,000 yards. But, uh, you know, he rushed for over 6.5 yards per carry in, in just 12 uh, carries on Sunday. So, yeah. uh, and scored a touchdown. So, good to see him back. Well, he looked great. He looked he great. Did, yeah, he looked hungry. And, yeah. and I, I think that he was – a little miffed, maybe he didn't get his thousand yards. I mean, I don't know. We haven't talked to him, but but uh, but listen, if you had asked Rojo, would you have rather gotten a thousand yards or been stuck at nine seventy eight? I'm going to take the educated guess to say Rojo probably would have preferred a thousand yards. So I think he's going to have a little something, you know, a little extra motivation to really eat, as as Oscar was saying on Saturday night, um, especially missing those two games. So he just got a little bit of action, right? Um, Leonard yeah. Fournette, Leonard got That's the right. start. But we got, um, we got the Leonard queued up. Huh? <laughs> we're ready for Leonard. We got a queued oh, we up. We are. We have oh, Leonard this week. We have Leonard this week. Oh, we got Leonard this week. Oh, <laughs> let's go, John. Let's see. I feel it. a little bad because last week, remember, <laughs> Britt added the appendix last week. And so I yeah. missed the normal show that I've been on, which is Wednesday show. I know. And I would have had a praising Leonard <laughs> segment because he played, he did some good things in that game. Right. He juked out a Lions linebacker twice. And I yes, was going to have the opportunity to say some positive things, Scott. But guess what? I missed the show, so we're not going to say any positive things. We are going to say <laughs> a couple <laughs> negative things about our friend Leonard. All Leonard right. here with an opportunity in Doe to get out of bounds. This is the one where he should have got out of bounds. What are you doing, Leonard? The clock's running down, Leonard. What are you doing? <laughs> this is the end of the half, Leonard. You have to get out of bounds. What? Yeah. Now you're going to try and take a guy out on the open field? You've been waiting for that all season. And here he is again. Pass protection opportunity for Leonard here. What? 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 Pancaked into Tom Brady's back. At least he stood in there for a second. Though. Yeah, we'll get in that. He stood in here for – wasn't great technique, but he yeah. found the guy. He gets he gets absolutely bulldozed. Yeah. He's six foot yeah. two thirty. And Brady made the throw, so we're getting some props there. You know? <laughs> I think he stepped on Brady's foot and, and almost fell into Brady's – but did fall into Brady's lap. That but we give him some credit there. So – wasn't the vintage Leonard week we've had other weeks. But speaking of Leonard, Scott, honestly, yeah. this is an to, this game is an opportunity for the Bucs running backs. You know, like I said, Washington yeah. will drop everybody out and try and take away the vertical ball. They will get depth with their linebackers and try and take away the vertical ball. That is what they will do. And like it or not, Tom Brady has not been throwing it very much to backs lately. He's been putting the ball on the right. field a ton. But that's because they face defenses who played a lot of single high and were, and, and were, had, were blitzing a ton. And so there are opportunities down the field. In this game, Scott, the running backs are going to be open. I mean, they're going to be an option. See, like I said, Washington plays a ton of zones, so these guys are going to have space underneath. They rally to right. the football and they tackle well. But the, at times, there's the right read against this pass rush with how fast they're going to be coming. Mm-hmm. The right read is going to be to check it down to the back. Can they catch the ball? Can they make somebody yep. miss? What do they do? How do they maximize their opportunities? That's All right. Here's game, here's my here's my concern. My concern is we've seen a couple of games this year where the Bucs have tried to force the screens to the running backs and they just simply refuse to catch the ball, right? 
and yeah. it ends up being a wasted down. It ends up being second and ten or third and ten because which should have been uh, you know an easy five at least a five yard gain out to the flat. Uh, was negated with the drop pass. We've seen Rojo do it. We've seen LaShawn McCoy do it. We've seen uh, certainly Fournette do it, right? So that's my concern. The other concern I have as it pertains to that, John, because obviously that's one thing you can do to help alleviate the the pass rush of Washington, right, is as they're, as they're coming, right, get those linemen out to try to block and all that stuff. Well, you got to be careful because Montez Sweat, six foot six, Chase Young, six foot five, both those guys have touchdowns this year. They're athletes playing defensive line, so I would be very concerned trying to throw over one of those guys to a back that could spell doom, as we saw back in uh, in 2005. Yeah. Sean Taylor scored a touchdown on defense that ended up uh, helping uh, the the then Redskins beat the Buccaneers. So um, you can't give Washington a defensive score in this game, right? You, right. you got to play a clean game. The other thing is, as it pertains to catching the ball, John, is the weather forecast. Saturday night uh, in, in Maryland in, in the, the D.C. area, 43 degrees for the high, partly cloudy, 29 degrees for the low. It's 8.15 kickoff. You can expect temps to be in the 30s, factor in a, a 10-mile-per-hour wind, and you're looking at, at a wind chill probably close to freezing, right? <laughs> so you have Leonard Fournette, who played at LSU, then played at Jacksonville. You've got Ronald Jones, who's from Texas, played in Southern California, now plays in Tampa. You've got two guys that – that struggle to catch the ball uh, this year, and they're warm weather kids playing in cold weather. Not maybe for the first time. I mean, but they don't play in it regularly, right? And what happens, John? Your hands get cold, right? Your oh, hands yeah. get cold. The ball gets hard. I'm just saying, if if I'm if I'm Byron Leftwich, and I know what you're saying, right? This should be a game where there's opportunities for the for the running backs. Try it one or one or twice, mm-hmm. uh, but. Don't try to force feed the backs the ball. If right. you're going to throw the ball, Tom Brady, I want it in Chris Godwin's hands. I want right. it in Anthony Bryant's hands. I want it in Scotty Miller's hands, Rob Gronkowski. There's plenty of guys that have better hands than Rojo and Leonard Fournette to catch right. the ball. But sometimes, yeah, but sometimes it isn't, that, it isn't always that simple either. You know, like sometimes it's you got to throw the ball to the running back. Like he's the only guy open. You know, they drop off and they intentionally, you know, play those four under and they and they camouflage everything underneath. And so you have to be able to throw it to the back and check it down and get five yards and hope, you know, or more, you know. And so it becomes the thing that's kind of out of left, which is hand and out of Brady's hand. And that's where it scares me because you have to have, you know, one of these guys has to step up and make plays. You know, it's like Arian says, everybody's like, oh, Donovan Smith against Chase Young. You know, I know I've seen people in the chat asking, like, how, how does Donovan Smith, you know, against Chase Young, how's that going to go? I mean, Right. I don't know. Donovan Smith played his best football uh, last month, you know, but he hasn't been tested as much. He hasn't been tested like he will with Chase Young. Chase Young can do it all, man. Uh, Brady's yeah. better, you know, avoiding edge pressure. Yeah. You know, he's great at avoiding edge pressure. But again, Montez Sweat's no joke hard. either. He actually led the team in sacks and, and uh, again, had a pick six against uh, Dallas on Thanksgiving. Um, the only thing I like about that matchup for the Bucks is he's going up against Tristan Wirth. So I, I think Tristan is Tristan's allowed one sack this year. That was right. to uh, all pro Khalil Mack. Uh, Donovan Smith's allowed six sacks this year. Uh, so there's that. All right, here's here's a really good question, John. This doesn't have anything to do with Washington and Tampa Bay, but it's so unique I wanted to throw it out there. Um, will, will Brady get jersey retirement from the Bucks if he leaves this team to win the Super Bowl? Um, so you mean if he's only a Buccaneer for one or two years, but it gets him to the Super Bowl and they <laughs> win, are they going to retire number 12? You know what I say? Yeah, absolutely. Retire yeah. because why not? I mean, um, they've got plenty of other jerseys that they could dish out in the teens. Um, yeah. I mean, Tom Brady's already had the best year for of any quarterback in franchise history. Like he's right. already, he, if, if you were to say who's the best Bucks quarterback in, in history, I would say Tom Brady at this oh, point. Yeah. Not, yeah, and no question. Johnson, by virtue of the Super Bowl yeah. and by virtue of a really good year in 2002, would be number two. Um, then you got a bunch of guys like, you know, Josh Freeman and Jameis Winston and Vinny Testaverde and Trent mm-hmm. Dilfer that threw for a bunch of yards, you know, and they've got franchise records, but they they really, you know, outside of Dilfer, who was on some good teams, um, weren't anything more than just 
quarterbacks on on bad Bucks teams, really. Right, right. And it's going to be fascinating for Brady in this playoff run because you know, there's the whole wild card thing. He only played in the wild card like four times, I think, in his career in New England. And he won two, lost two. I don't care about the record. You know, that's just a luck thing. But but um, but I think, you know, that's it's his him against tough defenses this season. But really, I think more than anything, it's been this scheme and this offense against tough defenses this season. You know, how how is the group fared as a whole? I know we look you know Brady it's kind of everybody when they win and then it's Brady's fault when they lose and I think it's been so yeah. much deeper than that when they lose you know this was not a team that was very cohesive against the Saints or the Rams you know they did not have you know in this in the Saints game it was a lot of it was protection it was quarterback to receiver so many miscommunications um a couple drops um you know in that game and then in the Rams game it was really a complete coaching disconnect from you know what how they had to play uh, than than what the Rams were allowing them to do defensively and, and putting them in a position <laughs> to do. And so um, <laughs> Ring of Honor, Jersey retirement, statue out front of Ray J, rename the city city officially to Tampa Bay. Yes, that should happen. Great stuff, Logan Merrick. That's, That's funny. Good. I mean, uh, but a- again, like this is Brady in, against Washington is fascinating, but I honestly don't – like Washington hasn't really given it up to any quarterback this season. Yeah. You know, it's just – it's, it doesn't mean you can't beat them. It's just not necessarily going to be like this beautiful work of art when you do. Like that's – it's just how they play. There are ways to beat them. But, again, I think like I don't expect this to be a 350, you know, three, four touchdown passing day for Tom Brady. If it is, right. we're going to be talking about the Bucs in a different light than we are right now. I'm, I'm, I'm just yeah. saying like they're not easy to do that kind of – you're not going to get a bunch of chunk plays off Washington. We've seen them play all season – and really, since like week six, they really haven't given up hard, like almost in any chunk plays. And and Bucks aren't a creative offense either. They're not like a, they're not. They just don't throw a million things at you. They have their guys, and they think their guys are better than your guy. And you know, but again, with Washington, it's a lot of doubling those guys that would create splash plays when they go deep. There's a ton of bracketing and 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 right. preventing that. And they basically make you string little plays together all game long to beat them. And if you can do that, you're probably going to get twenty to twenty four points. And right. you'll beat them, you know, because just because of the, yeah. the time that it'll take to do all that. And so that's what the kind of game it has to be for Tampa Bay's offense. I think they could do more damage really against the other teams that they'll probably face in the NFC. But Washington's defense, I'm telling you, I watched them on tape. I've seen all the statistics, all the numbers, all the analytics. Yeah. This is a really good defense. I don't think Washington is enough offensively, Scott. I know I we're about to get into our predictions here. I don't, I mean, it would be a colossal disappointment if right. Todd Bowles' defense gives up enough points to this Washington offense to lose this football game. I mean, that's, there's no way around it. They just yep. don't have the, they don't have the horses. They don't have the scheme right now. Um, they maximize, I think they make the most of kind of where they're at right now, but right. it's, it's a banged up, you know, leftover version of Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke against yep. a defense that's supposed to be one of the best, better top 10 in the league. One of the better ones in the playoffs, for example, they um, got to play like it. They I've seen a couple of comments and questions in there, um, you know, obviously about, uh, what transpired today in our nation's capital. Um, and that, you know, today is Wednesday. If you're listening to this podcast, it's Wednesday. Um, I don't envision, and I haven't heard anything from the team that would, that would uh, suggest otherwise. I don't envision this game being moved from Washington or having the, 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 the kickoff time affected. I think if, if we're, if this, if whatever happened in, in the nation's capital today took place on Friday, where you're less than 24 hours uh, from that uh, in terms of kickoff might be a different story, but uh, uh, the game is played in Maryland, not in the nation's capital. It's about five miles away. And I know that that seems like it's close, but it's five miles is also five miles. Right. And keep in mind, there's not going to be any fans in attendance for this game. Right. So there's no traffic issues there, nothing to be concerned about there. So I don't envision uh, anything that, that transpired today in the nation's capital affecting this Bucks washington game on Saturday night. So <laughs> Douglas says, will Todd Bowles tank the Washington football game so Atlanta won't offer him the head coach job? <laughs> he could just say no, Doug. <laughs> he doesn't have to take it that far. That's true. It's a little extreme, right? It's so extra. John, but, you, uh, I think he's – Go ahead. I was just going to say I about Todd Bowles maybe taking the Atlanta job. Yeah. Tre- Trevor Sigmund, I, he's the guest for tomorrow's podcast. Yeah, that's right. PM. We're going to talk about that at length. We have a little bit of different thoughts on that. So I'll save it for that show. Yeah. So tomorrow night, 730. We're, keep, we're keeping it prime time all week. Yep. 730. And we, listen, we appreciate too. We, we picked up about 300 new YouTube subscribers just this week. 
just yeah. since since Sunday night. So thank you guys for subscribing. Thank you for going to PeterReport.com. Our web traffic is absolutely blowing up. We're off to a rocket start to 2021 here, the first week. Uh, so a lot of Buccaneer fans excited about your your Tampa Bay Buccaneers playoff bound uh, team uh, getting their their first taste of post action of uh, 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 sorry postseason action mm -hmm. since 2007. It's been a minute, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's really cool. So if you haven't gone to our YouTube page yet, maybe you're watching us on Twitter, maybe you're watching the live stream on Facebook. You can go to uh, YouTube, click on uh, YouTube.com backslash Pewter Report TV, or just do the search for Pewter Report TV. And, and then once you get to our homepage, just click on subscribe. It's free. And right. then yeah. click on notifications. That way, when we go live, you're going to get a cool little notification and you can watch us live. And the cool thing is if you jump in halfway through or you missed part of the show, you can always go back and watch the entire broadcast. Or if you missed Monday's show, if you missed Sundays, you want to revel in, in the 11-5 uh, the record by beating the Falcons again, you can watch Sunday's show. So that's the cool thing. So uh, we appreciate the the two super chats. Buccaneer Bruce out there in my hometown, Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, here's some money to ward off Trevor's bad luck. So we're we going to talk about that fate a little bit, John. By bringing, I know we're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about that on the show tomorrow so, because we've got another funny thing that not a lot of people know about. Where Trevor may have actually swung luck for Tom Brady the other way with the reverse jinx, and we're going to talk yeah. about how that may have transpired about a month ago on the show as well tomorrow. So I know everyone out there is thinking, wait a minute, how in the world could you guys do game balls on Sunday night without mentioning the balls, the clean shaven balls that you get from Manscaped? Well, we did it. We, we, we did it, you know, <laughs> and we're, we've actually saved the Manscaped promo for tonight, right? right. We're, doing, we're doing this because everybody wants our predictions, John. This is, this is a, a, a widely uh, viewed episode tonight. So happy New Year's from our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped, as you know, is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And mm -hmm. they're here to help you have clean balls for the new year, right? Bring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Happy 2021. Spoiler alert, hairy balls are still gross. All right, so step into the new year with your tree standing taller and shave your boys. Manscaped is here to give you a new year's resolution that you're actually want to you're going to want to keep. The perfect package 3.0 is the below the waist grooming package. You need to start off the year strong. You've probably seen uh, all of us hold up right here. This is the oh, weed yeah. whacker 3.0. Actually it. The, sorry, this is the lawnmower 3.0. Right, right. Weed whacker is is for the nose hair and the ear hair. Mark Cook was actually using that on the episode a couple weeks ago. Terrible. This is the lawnmower 3.0. And the reason why I point this out is it's got a light. It shows you what's happening down there as you're getting to work. Very important because you want to be very careful down there. But oh, yeah. the, the perfect package 3.0 is the below the waist grooming package. You need to start off strong this new year. Come out of quarantine with clean balls. Thanks to the lawnmower 3.0. This is waterproof. It's got skin safe trimmer. It's going to reduce the nicks to your two best friends down there. The third generation trimmer even has the light. Show one more time right there to shine a light to the promised land that 2021 looks to be. It's also time to freshen up down there in the new year. And when you get the perfect package 3.0, they're going to give you a couple of goodies. And I've got them right here. This one is the crop preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. I've used it, John. At first, when I thought, I'm going to be honest, when I got this, I thought, I'm not going to use this. I'll use this, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to use this until I used it. Then you know what? Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. You already put on deodorant on your armpits, right? Okay, well, then why aren't you putting some of this down there in the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, you're going to love this. Again, something I didn't think I would use until, you know what? I used it. I figured That's I right. might as well. You know, they gave this to me free. I might as well try it, right? And it, it works. Awesome. This is for the on-the-go freshness. You're going to love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Keeps your, your boys down there nice and smooth. Start the new year with a fresh set of balls, thanks to Manscaped. Manscaped even threw this in. You know what they call this, John? They call this the shed, the travel bag. That's right. You're, you can keep the, the lawnmower 3.0, your weed whacker, um, and you can keep all your goodies comfortably stored. And this is a nice travel bag. It really is. Oh, yeah. And 
the big surprise, John, was when they sent us this kit. This is the perfect package 3.0 kit that we're talking about. The ones I just showed you here. You know what they also give us? Some of the softest anti-chafing anti oh, box yeah. that, that, that you're going to find. Yes. They are magical. They, they are. It's the super soft comfort feel that takes underwear your underwear game to the next level. So bring mm -hmm. sexy back in 2021, guys. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code pewter at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right. 20% off plus free shipping. It's a hell of a deal. You got to mention the promo code pewter when you go to manscaped.com. And you know what, John? We're, I'm going to do this again. Hold on here. Uh -oh. Just just for the playoffs, I'm bringing it back. Bring it back. Sexy? Free Pewter Report t-shirts. Let's right go. Here. Free Pewter Report t-shirts come in, in white, pewter, black. We've got these in, in different colors, different sizes. So these are awesome cotton t-shirts. So you can rep Pewter Report when you're out and about. And uh, all you got to do is send me, you can email me at srpewterreport.com. Send me your receipt. It doesn't have any of your financial information on there. It just shows basically your proof of purchase. Email that to me at srpewterreport.com. Uh, along with your your address and your size and what color you prefer, and we'll send you a free T-shirt. Free. That's all you got to do. So uh, we got we got ten of these to give away. So send me your emailed receipt from your purchase using Peter uh, as the promo code. We're gonna send you a free T-shirt. How how cool is that to ring in yeah. you? No no better way to bring sexy back than to wear a Peter Report T-shirt, Scott. That's the way to do it. Logan Merrick says he thought you were about to give a demonstration. He about signed off. <laughs> I was actually a little bit worried too. If it would have been Mark Cook, I would have I had to go retrieve it. I was not going to show you my, my Manscaped uh, boxer briefs. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right, so we got to get to our predictions here, Scott. You want me to go first? Yes, I do want right. you to, to go first. Thank you, Buccaneer Bruce, by the way. Buccaneer Bruce putting a lot of money into the account for uh, Mark Cook's new camera. Yes. Um, so I really think Washington's Washington's defense is is legit. Um, so because of that, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I just even if Todd Bowles' defense at times makes us go crazy, um, I I I can't see them giving up enough to like seriously. They would have to collapse. They would have to make mistakes on offense, give short fields up, uh, special teams. They would have to do those kind of things, in my opinion. To 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 it would have to be a Bears like nightmare eleven penalty game performance yeah. type of thing, um, which is possible. You know, I mean, it's possible. I'm going to say 22 to 13, the Bucs win this game. I think it's an ugly game. I think there's more field goals than touchdowns. 22 to 13. Okay. That's, that is a little scoring. Bucks win this game. Okay. All right. 15 and one so far. That's Not right. Picking, picking the score, just who's going to win. All right. So uh, what, what I'm, what I, what I'm going to say is I, I'm going to say that the Tampa Bay, they, they've got this first quarter lead thing down pat now, John, this is two games in a row where the Buccaneers haven't surrendered the lead at any point. They've had the lead for the last eight quarters, and I think that's going to continue. However, I don't think it's going to be a thing where the Buccaneers are going to race out to like a 17- or 20-point lead against this team. Washington typically kind of keeps it close, and I can yeah. see them playing into that, that type of mindset. Again, as you mentioned, Washington's Ron Rivera defense is no joke, especially with that defensive line. But I can see the Bucs getting a seven-point lead, three-point lead, you know, at different points of the game, I think they maintain that all the way throughout. They pull away in the fourth quarter, and I think they stick to their averages. I think the Buccaneers win this game 30-20. to 20. It's a late score for the Buccaneers, but but they, they're they going to do it. I think that, that they beat Washington and uh, and maybe go to Green Bay next week, right? I mean, if, if the favorites win, that's going to be the location they're going to go to because the Bucs would be the lowest seed. If Seattle wins, if New Orleans wins – that's the case. So Buccaneer Bruce, uh, very generous tonight with his super chats. Uh, you still got to see Fast Times at Ridgemont High, John, and you got to tell Mark and I about it and Buccaneer Bruce. We want a film review. It's one of the That's classic true. comedies from the 80s. So let's let's see let's see uh, some predictions here from you guys. All right, we got Jimmy's with me, Ryan Figueroa, 31 to 10. 31 guys. 10. You know, we got 28-17 bucks right. move on from Will the Brewer. Stay 40 to 17. Wow. Stay away to Evans. Yeah. Oh boy. If they score four, if it's 40 to 17, I'm telling you, Saturday night podcast is gonna be lit. I'm telling you. Wow. 41 to 10. Uh 
Yeah, uh, Terrence. I, I listen. That's what I said. They're they're going to get their average. They're going to get a, a late touchdown to push it to thirty. So they're they're going to be in the twenties most of the game, and I think they're going to score a, a fourth quarter touchdown to get to thirty. So, uh, but I, I like these here. I haven't seen any. Oh, whoa, Shay White, Tony, 23-14, Washington football team in disappointing fashion. All right, well, everybody – Somebody asked, by the way, if this season would be a disappointment if they lost this football game. I, I don't – it's hard for me to say whole season's a disappointment. Bucks had 11-5 season. I don't think you can say whole season's a disappointment, but it's a disappointment in the way that it ended, absolutely. Now, if the Bucks lose to any of the top three seeds, um, you know, I – I, you know, I think that they they could. It depends how they play, obviously, and what the concerns are moving out of games like that. But I don't think you can lose to Washington and consider it like a, a this great season or whatever, great regular season maybe. But it's about what you do in the postseason, and and so it would fall it would fall short of of being a great one to yeah. me if that were to happen. This is not a team you should lose to. As good as their defense is, you know, their yeah. offense you shouldn't lose this game. And Todd Bowles needs to take that I, personally, by the way. Like, yeah. Yeah, whole group needs to take it personally. Um, I I think it would be a disappointing loss if they were to lose and make the playoffs and be you know one and done. Um, I, I I've always maintained, and I'm not saying the Bucks can't advance or win the Super Bowl this year or even get there. I'm not saying that, but I've always believed that year two with Brady, and 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 more weapons on on the defensive side of the ball that can get to the quarterback. Uh, I I've, I've just believed that that next year can actually be the year. So if they were to if they were to, to win in Washington and then lose either at New Orleans or Green Bay, yeah. I would not chalk that up as as a loss or I should say like as a disappointment. I would just chalk that up as, as a building block for twenty twenty one. That's that's right. How yeah, can't lose to a losing record team. Can't lose yeah. to a losing record team in the playoffs. Can't lose to an offense with two quarterbacks and neither right. of them are good. Can't yeah. lose to a team without a name. And Those one last little stat for you: the Buccaneers are ten and zero against teams with losing records. John, this Washington football team, seven and nine. So the Buccaneers, I think, will make it eleven and zero against right. teams with losing records. But you know who's not losers? All you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight for another primetime edition of the Pewter Report podcast. John's going to be back tomorrow with Trevor Sikama, former Pewter reporter, actually still a Pewter reporter. Once you're part of the Pewter Report family, you are still family. So yep. we welcome Trevor back to the pod tomorrow. And uh, so you're going to have even more analysis on the Bucks washington game. Get Trevor's perspective on that. And also debate the whole Todd Bowles uh, situation. So be mm-hmm. sure to, to stay tuned for that tomorrow night, 7.30 Eastern time. John Ledyard and Trevor Sikama here on the Pewter Report podcast. For John, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you tomorrow night on the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.